production note. This interview is recorded July 2nd, 2020. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Today we have a great interview with Dylan Pilon from Cloud9 Marketing Group. Cloud9 serves businesses with marketing services, and he leverages connections to offer a powerful range of services for his clients, acting as a guy who knows a guy in marketing. He shares his personal story, how he launched his business, and also shares some great marketing tips that he has learned in his years in the business. Let's learn from Dylan Pilon. I'm here today with Dylan Pilon of the Cloud9 Marketing Group. How are you doing today, Dylan? I'm doing well, Michael. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, and how you came to running the Cloud9 Marketing Group. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm born and raised East Long Meadow, Massachusetts. Um, first was exposed to marketing uh, in a high school class, which then transitioned over to uh, a college course I took at Holyoke Community College. Um, and then from there, I transferred to UMass Amherst, uh, the Eisenberg School of Management. And I had a marketing professor who recommended I take an internship. Um, and that internship was actually in my hometown. Um, Newell Rubbermaid at the time, they owned Lennox Tools American Saw. Um, so that was my first start. Uh, I was a digital marketing and e-commerce specialist intern, and uh, that's how I kind of got into marketing as a whole. Um, the The social media side of things always kind of fascinated me. Um, I, what I like most about marketing is the consumer behavior aspect of how can an advertising campaign um, urge somebody to convert on a call to action and elicit emotion. I've always found that to be the, the more interesting side of marketing rather than the technical data side. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, equally as important, of course, um, but I think the creative is really the, the underlying, uh, the impactful piece of the marketing mix is really the creative. And so, so how did you come to be and uh, start the Cloud9 Marketing Group? Yeah, so when I was in uh, in, a, in that internship, it was an eight-week program, and um, I must have done something right because they, they offered me a, a full-time stay. And while I was working there, I was doing more of the, the e-commerce piece of the, of the job than the social media marketing side. So um, I started Cloud9 Marketing Group um, sort of as a, as a, a 6 p.m. to midnight side job. Um, so I just I, I started off with one local client, um, and we were managing their Facebook page. We created an Instagram account for them, and that one client, you know, became a referral to another and another. And before you know it, I had a, a, a decent client roster, and um, I had some decisions to make on whether or not I wanted to pursue that in a full time capacity, or you know, continue on a on a path in corporate America. And so the uh, group in Cloud9 Marketing Group, is that because you have a whole team, uh, just an office full of cubicles, or, do you, or is it more of an alliance of uh, different resources? Uh, it's a little bit of both. So um, I do have one full-time uh, staff member, Ashley. She's uh, probably the most important part of Cloud9 Marketing Group. Um, certainly couldn't uh, do what I do without her uh, assistance. So we, we do have one full-time, and then myself, of course, um, and then we have strategic partners within you know, our local community here in Western Massachusetts that we 
bring in to facilitate anything that we don't directly handle in-house. So, you know, we have a team of photographers, videographers, uh, graphic designers, web designers. So we are able to, you know, act as a full service marketing agency for our clients, but we can keep the cost down because we keep our overhead down by not uh, having so many people on our payroll. Makes a lot of sense. They're very dynamic. So you can bring people in as needed, but you're not paying them 40 hours a week, whether you need them or not. That's correct. Yeah. And I, and, and I'm always very transparent with my clients. That's one thing I think that differentiates cloud nine marketing group from many, if not all of the other agencies in the area is, uh, people do what you're, uh, I'm sure aware of is called white labeling. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they actually have a 1099 independent contractor or a freelancer that they work with, but the, uh, the client is led to believe that that's somebody who's actually in house on that agency's staff. And then the agency ends up marking up the cost of that freelancer's service to turn a profit off of it because they're quarterbacking that project on behalf of the client, which there's different schools of thought on it. But I think it's more of a win-win-win situation if I'm fully transparent about the relationship I have with that strategic partner because I can provide the same value to my client at a lower cost to them which I believe at the end of the day, they're just going to end up reinvesting that difference back into marketing campaigns with us anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So I don't feel like we miss out on a ton of revenue generation, but I, the transparency allows us to kind of build a better trust and rapport uh, with our client. And the, the strategic partner makes out in the deal too, because they get some brand recognition for the great work they're doing instead of being passed off as an employee of Cloud9. Definitely positive things. So you're not taking override on on those referrals out to partners. Um, I mean, because we're not charging that pass through fee, we we ultimately we leave it up to the client. But mm-hmm. we, would, we would rather ideally ideally just come to the table, introduce you know those two parties to each other, set everything up, and get the ball rolling. And then you know we kind of step away. Our strategic partners are extremely good at what they do, so they don't need us to be involved. Now, if the client wants us to, then we absolutely will. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes we take over every aspect of that relationship and the client doesn't deal with that strategic partner hardly at all. Um, and in those instances, you know, we do make our client aware, hey, we might have to bill you for the work that we're going to be doing to facilitate this project for you. But mm-hmm. again, it's that transparency and everybody's on the same page. Yeah, and it seems to make a lot of sense too, because if you're doing a larger project and you need a videographer, a photographer, a, a SEO guy, a social media, and you know seven or eight different different technicians, um, it's worth hiring the quarterback uh, and pay, paying the quarterback to make sure everything aligns and the timelines are going to match up, and and that you know the the video will be ready before the campaign is supposed to start, and and that sort of thing, and and it makes a lot of sense that you would charge them because you're taking work off their plate. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You know, as as an agency, we've we've done a lot of different projects in different industries, so we understand the scope of work better naturally than the client would. So we ask the right questions from the very beginning to ensure that the strategic partner and the client are on the same page, and we're going to meet deadlines, and the final product is going to look and feel the way that it should. Oftentimes, you know, we're the ones who write the scripts for videos. We are on scene 
co-producing the video, you know, coming up, developing the shot list. Um, you know, so we, we are heavily involved with our clients, um, with these strategic partners, um, in, in the instances where we need to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like a, uh, an important, important thing there to be able to be, to have that sort of integration. And one of the other, um, benefits I'd see of this, uh, transparency and this honesty is that, um, yeah, one, your partners have ownership. You know, it's, it's not being white labeled. And two, the responsibility land, lands where it lies. So, you know, if if you do have all these partners and they're all under your banner and there's a, a delay or an error or whatever, then people are coming to you and saying, hey, where's my video? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, thankfully, our network of strategic partners is very strong. Um, and these are folks who deliver what they say they will when they say they will. But of course, you know, there are things, uh, you know, can, can always come up. Um, nothing is a perfect system, especially when there's so many different moving parts, but, but yes, absolutely. You know, it helps, uh, there's a clear delineation of who is doing what and where that expectation starts and ends. And, and yeah, you, you are correct in that regard. One of the coolest things about being the guy who knows a guy is that when I need to find a business, I usually know where to go. Did you realize that you can tap into that network as well and that you can do it for free? It's true. Visit guywhonewsaguy.com and click I got a guy in the menu. Just fill out the form, let me know what you need, and I'll connect you to someone good and reliable in my network. Visit guywhonewsaguy.com and click I got a guy in the menu. Let's get back to a guy who knows a guy in marketing, Dylan Pilon. Yeah, so, so talk a little about the, the creative that you were talking about, uh, you know, how the creative, uh, and for those who are not in marketing, creative means the the stuff that goes into the ad, which is the, the scripting, the videography, the music, the everything there. Uh, talk a bit about how that can help make a make a campaign effective and cause it to convert. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is, you know, the, the brand versus sales perspective. And the creative is really oftentimes part of the branding side. And in the long run, I am of the belief that brand will always win in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously businesses need sales, they need transactions, that's, you know, cash is their the oxygen that they they breathe with to run their business. But I think people want to do business with people, not with logos. Yep. So the larger the company is, the more important it is for them to humanize their brand. Um, because as, as you know, people need to know you like you trust you before they're going to do business with you. And, um, you know, the average consumer needs between seven and 14 touch points before they make a purchase consideration, you know, depending on the industry. So, um, it's really important to have good creative that sticks with people. That way you are starting to build that top of mind awareness and that, you know, factor of knowing you, uh, liking you, trusting you. They feel like they might have some rapport with your brand even before they've done business with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that comes down to the creative, you know, there, there are those iconic marketing campaigns that stand the test of time, you know, those, uh, like the MasterCard was one of the first ones in my lifetime that that really stuck with me where it might be, you know, tickets to the baseball game, 
thirty dollars, uh, a Fenway Frank ten dollars, uh, being able to spend time and make memories with your son that he'll have for the rest of his life, priceless. For everything else, there's yep. Mastercard, like. Mm-hmm. those type of campaigns and you know geico is another organization that has done a great job of creating iconic characters like the gecko um and all of their other their different uh representatives i think um those are the things that people will remember in perpetuity um and that can really be the difference when they hear hey i need this thing that first brand that pops in their head it's because of that creative over the years that has resonated yeah. And I, I think uh, it's very important. You know, larger businesses get this because they've got the, the budget and the cash flow for it. But I think small businesses often, maybe because they're too close to their money, they w- – one thing I run into you know, as a magazine publisher, because uh, we really focus on the branding side, is when things are going well, I'll get the, oh, we're too busy. We, we don't need to advertise. And then suddenly they're not going well. They say, oh, we don't have any money. We can't advertise. And actually I have someone I spoke to two months ago. In May, we're too busy. Can't advertise. In July, oh, we're broke the business dropped off. So, and, and I, I want to tell her, yeah, well, if you, if we talked in May, if you've been marketing when things were good, then you'd have a stable business because you would have that brand awareness and you would have that, uh, that, that larger footprint than just your, you know, relying on that word of mouth. Um, and so, so talk a bit about the, the importance of controlling your brand versus just kind of hoping your customers will send people to you. Yeah. So that's an excellent point. And I've, I've always actually wondered this myself is, when times get tough, the first thing on the chopping block from a, a budgetary perspective is always marketing and sales, which are the only two things that actually generate revenue for a business, right? But business owners, when they look at things in black and white, strictly from a numbers perspective, you know, they don't want to have to lay off their employees. They need to have product or inventory that they can sell. Um, they need to have a, a retail space in which customers can come in and make purchases. So as you start to go down this list, you're really running out of things that you could cut back spending on. Um, mm-hmm. And then they get to their marketing budget and they say, oh, well, we don't have to spend as much money in marketing as we did last quarter or last year or whatever. Um, and then you get into that weird place of, well, if you're not going to spend money to bring in more money, how are you going to bring in more money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't cut your way out of a downturn. Yeah, it's that's the thing, and and you, I mean, we, I think history is very cyclical and it repeats itself. And you see, anytime the market has a, a big, iconic issue or crash or recession or however you want to frame it, um, you know, those businesses that double down in that time and invest more into themselves are the ones that not only withstand, you know, weather that storm, but they come out in either in the same place that they were before it happened, or maybe even ahead. So mm-hmm. I think that's a very important mindset for a business owner to take. And, you know, especially if you're in a larger company and you're, you're, you might be a CFO or somebody who works in finances, you, you can't get too worried about spending money right away when things start to go bad you need to stay the course try to remain calm stick to the plan it's okay to augment the plan a little bit but the last thing you want to do is pull a cord on your marketing budget um because you're going to find that you're going to you're going to have a lot of trouble trying to recover from that yep 
And that's something I see a lot because I talk to, you know, I probably talk to 20 business owners a week, maybe, no, probably more, maybe 40. And um, I, I find that there's a big difference in the businesses that are actively marketing and those that are not. The ones that are actively marketing, it's it's like, you know, they've got an engine in the water. They, they're not they're not dependent on, on winds and tides. Whereas the businesses that, that say they rely on word of mouth or they do, you know, a little Facebook thing here and there, those are the ones that when things are good, I call them up and they say, oh yeah, things are great. And then things are bad. Oh, things are terrible. I, I know what they're going to say on the phone from what I read in the paper. Whereas the companies that are marketing, I have no, they're probably going to say things are great every, all the time. And they'll talk about how they're adapting and, and often how they just bought someone out or they're taking over a new market. Uh, because those companies that are are leaving their hands, leaving their fate in the hand of destiny, um, because they're not marketing, are at the mercy of of those who are controlling their destiny through marketing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and sometimes it's even about making a pivot into maybe a space that you haven't been in before, or mm-hmm. maybe even if you know that it's going to be somewhat of a temporary space. I mean, I think we've we've even seen it on our our local level here. Um, with manufacturing firms, when COVID-19 happened, instead of completely shutting down production, if they weren't deemed essential, some of them said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make masks. We're going to make hand sanitizer. We're going to make shields that can be, you know, plexiglass shields that can be installed in businesses. We're going to, so they might've not made any of those things. Um, mm-hmm. but they recognized that there was a, a time and a place for it in the market and they made a, a, a bit of a pivot, like you said, so they can weather the storm. That's sort of like them having uh, the engine in the water instead of just waiting for the seas to flatten back out again and everything to open back up and then just try to pick up where they left off. So, right, yeah, I think that yeah. adaptability is a huge piece of being successful in business because while things are cyclical, things always are evolving as well. In 2020, networking can be challenging. No conferences, no business after hours. But besides branding, networking is one of those powerful ways to control your destiny in business. To serve this need, we're running virtual speed networking events. The great thing about these events is they do something that in-person networking events can't do. Connect with people around the world. The first Wednesday of each month, we welcome participants from around the globe to our virtual speed networking events. And the third Wednesday of every month, that one's for folks just here in southern New England, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Find details at vsn.guywhoknowsaguy.com. That's vsn, as in virtual speed networking, dot guywhoknowsaguy.com. Now back to our interview with Dylan Pilon. Yeah, well, and of course, the other thing I find is a lot of those businesses that are are pushed around by the tides, they, they kind of look at the market and say, well, the, the economy shrank 10%, so our market's going to shrink 10%, so we assume our revenues will shrink 10%. Whereas some businesses are going through this, even if the total market shrinks 10%, their part of it grows 20 because they're gobbling up the market that others are leaving behind. Right, exactly. So there's a lot more, you know, a lot, lot to be taken if they're, if they're ready to take it. Uh, so, so what are some of the, the trends you're seeing in marketing, you know, new places that are uh, kind of undervalued attention and and good good things that new businesses should be looking at. Yeah, I'm mean, from one thing that I've been trying to urge people to pay more attention to over the course of the past year or two is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is a huge supply and demand issue with LinkedIn, and what I mean by that is 
there are a lot more people on that platform that are consuming content than there are that are producing it. Yep. So that algorithm on LinkedIn uh, is going to have to work harder to push your content out farther than uh, another platform might because there's so many people that need to be served content in their newsfeed. So I've really been trying to get people and, and it doesn't matter if you're in a business to consumer in like industry or market or a business to business. Um, your customer is likely on LinkedIn regardless of those factors. So um, even if it's something as simple as posting regular status updates, um, you know, if you wanted to get a little bit more in depth and write LinkedIn articles, that's even better. Um, if you LinkedIn, you know, has video on their platform in, in the past couple of years, which was a newer introduction for them. Um, that was a huge game changer, of course, because video is um, likely the largest consumed content, the most widely consumed content on the web. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great. It's a great opportunity right now um, for organic reach without putting any money behind it. Um, and then the other one, which, you know, everybody in marketing in general is talking about um, is TikTok, right? And I think a lot of people roll their eyes or sort of cringe uh, when they hear TikTok and uh, they think that it's just for teeny boppers in their bedroom that are trying to do trendy dances. But, um, you know, I attended a webinar that was put on by the world's largest TikTok agency. You know, essentially, if you're a if you're a brand or a, a, a content creator, um, this agency is the the leader in TikTok content and advertising. And they they had some stats which were very interesting to me. People spend three point seven times uh, longer on TikTok than they do on Instagram. Mm. Um, Eighty minute on app average per day that is a ton of consumption time per person per day on that app um i don't don't know they didn't really give anything to benchmark it against but i highly doubt that people are spending 80 minutes a day on any of the other socials right now um and 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 so talk a little bit what what is the format of tiktok for those not familiar with it yeah so so tiktok is a video-based social platform um and it, it used to be an app called Musical.ly, which was then sort of taken over by a, a Chinese tech giant and rebranded as TikTok. Um, and a lot of it is lip syncing over audio snippets that they, you know, they've legally cleared through um, whomever the publisher is that owns the rights to that audio. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go on and you can create a video snippet. You can also upload your own videos that don't use the audio of you know a top 40 hit song or what have you um so you you have the ability to kind of upload your own content in there um but it's the the interesting part about tiktok is it prioritizes your content out to people who do not follow you oh okay so that's where you actually get the explosive growth Um, and the exposure because it's unlike all the other social platforms where they're mainly only showing your content to people who follow you. It's the exact opposite. Um, so it's very interesting. That's a completely different spin from the social platforms that we know and love. Yeah, it's definitely, it's inverted. So the video, is there a length, length uh, maximum? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know exactly what the, the technical spec on a TikTok video is. 
Um, it's not something that any of our clients at Cloud9 are actively engaged in, although I would love to see them kind of uh, at least dip their toe in the water and play around with it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have that. They think that the application has that stigma of being for younger folks, but um, you know, 64% of the audience is actually over the age of 18. Yeah, well, and, and TikTok was cited as one of the major platforms that was used um, for uh, with, with Trump's rally recently. Uh, there was a movement to create a whole lot of fake ticket purchases, and TikTok was the platform they used to do that. So regardless of, of the politics of it, the efficacy of using that to push a message, you know, that there were hundreds of thousands of people who were brought into that movement, uh, and it was primarily a TikTok movement. I did see that. Yeah, they were making uh, reservations for tickets, which sort of yep. inf inflated the expectation of how many people were going to be in Tulsa. I did see yeah. that. Yeah, but, but the important thing is, tick is that shows the reach of that platform. Yeah, that it wasn't Facebook, it wasn't Twitter, it was TikTok was the main driver for that. Uh, and it that also activity. shows that it, it's it can be utilized to have someone convert on a call to action. It's not mm -hmm. simply just a branding play, but you can organize people to actually visit a website and 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 actually commit to an action of some sort yeah. so that's a so are, are there links on tiktok or can you are there comments or what's what's the engagement there are there are hearts there are comments um and then you can of course share um i don't know if perhaps if you have a verified tiktok account it opens up some additional features like i know in other platforms they have that ability um you know if you have more than ten thousand followers on an instagram account um, yep. when you post something in your story, you have the ability to swipe up and, and visit a link. Whereas if you have less than 10,000 followers, you cannot utilize that. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm not quite sure of if you have a verified TikTok account, if that opens up some additional, um, capabilities or functionality within the app. Hey, what's your problem? Uh, that probably didn't come out quite like I meant it to. What I mean is, I'd love for you to share your problems with me and your questions about business, life, networking, and anything else. Season 2 of this podcast is about to launch, and the focus is going to be on you, solving your problems, answering your questions. I and a variety of great guest hosts will be answering your questions, so I need your questions. Email michael at guywhonowsaguy.com. You can write it, or you can record an audio file and send it in. Again, please send your questions to michael at guywhonowsaguy.com. And be sure to mention if I should mention your name and a part of the world you're from. Now back to our interview with Dylan Pilon. And, and now I know one of the issues with Instagram is you can only upload from your phone, which is a technical barrier for certain types of things you might want to upload. Uh, can you upload TikTok from a computer or is it, only, is it phone only as well? Uh, to my knowledge, TikTok is uh, purely application-based, but you can actually use Instagram from a computer in a couple of different fashions. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is a little sneakier, actually. If you use Safari, um, you can you can set it into developer mode, and there's a tab in which you can kind of trick Safari into thinking that you're looking at it from a tablet or a mobile device, even though you're on your computer. <laughs> okay. And it opens up the functionality to uh, to upload posts to Instagram from your computer. But uh, in in a, in a what I would recommend would uh, in, in Facebook, if you link your Instagram account into your creator studio, um, you actually have the ability to upload and even schedule Instagram content directly from your Facebook creator studio account. So that well, is a huge know. tool for brands. Well, that is definitely good to know. Yeah. I'm, I'm and after this conversation, I'm going to go look into TikTok more. 
access. I was sort of waiting for it to mature as a platform um, before I went through all the trouble of figuring out how to use it. But yeah, it if, like I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I just, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I just saw. I think they broke the billion dollar sort of valuation mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so which will probably be around for a while. Yeah, I'm 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 assuming that this is one of those ones that is it's certainly surpassed the fad stage, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be here to stay. Very good. Well, yeah. So that's you heard it here. Check out TikTok. That's the new the up and coming thing. Uh, and I've heard. Um, yeah, I've heard uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talking about TikTok. Well, he, he was talking about musically before it was TikTok, and um, and LinkedIn as well. So you're in good company with your advice. LinkedIn, I, I've definitely seen a lot of uh, power in the reach of LinkedIn, and and it's and I believe and you can't pay for boosted uh, or sponsored posts. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, LinkedIn doesn't have an advertise. It does have an advertising platform. Um, a minimum ten dollar a day spend, which is significantly more rigid than Facebook or Instagram, where you could you could spend as little as one dollar per day. But one of the one of the things that I love to make people aware of about LinkedIn, if they if they're not already, is the ability to search based on a company or a job title or an industry. Um, so say you are looking to get in touch with somebody, let's just say who works at Big Y corporate, right? So you mm-hmm. go into LinkedIn and you type Big Y into the search bar and you filter your search results based on the people who work for that company. And LinkedIn will literally give you a list of every profile that of, of someone who works for Big Y. And then you can kind of filter it down based on that job title so if you're specifically looking to get in front of the HR manager or, you know, the the manager of the produce department or whatever it is that you you're trying to get into big Y with your business, um, you have that list at your fingertips for free. And then mm-hmm. once you curate this list of employees, you can go into their LinkedIn profile. You can go to the contact information section. Likely you'll find an email address or a phone number or both. At the very least, you could send them a message right there on LinkedIn. So I think from a, a sales prospecting, sales navigating perspective, um, that is a, a widely underutilized tool. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone who's in sales who's not using LinkedIn is is uh, is definitely in the horse and buggy technology level. Yeah. The, the, you might be missing the mark a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Well, so we're coming to the end of our time, but do you have any final comments you'd like to like to leave us with? Um, yeah, I just would like to express my gratitude for, for being featured on the podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, and I think uh, maybe a little shout out to B&I would be appropriate because I believe oh, yes. you and I initially crossed paths was through a, a, a online B&I Zoom event. So um, you know, sh- shout out to BNI, a, a great organization that has certainly been a, a, a tool that Cloud9 Marketing Group has used to build our business and our brand. So, yep, yeah, I'm a big fan of all manner of networking, uh, but especially yeah, BNI is a great, great platform. Uh, and what's your website if somebody wants to learn more about you or get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can uh, visit C and then the number nine mg.com which is kind of the shorthand version of cloud9marketinggroup.com um you know and all of our information will be readily available right there and that that is a four character url which is quite a quite a feat yeah it was uh it was something that we always had our eye on and when i first started the company uh it was already taken but a a friend of mine 
said, hey, I, I noticed that this was available. This is about a year ago. And he's like, so I just bought it. So in, in 90 days when I'm allowed to transfer the domain, I'll make sure that I slide it over to you. And I said, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty sweet. So, well, congratulations on getting that great domain name. Uh, and, and it seems like you really know your stuff. So I appreciate you taking the time to share it with us. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Dylan has a true depth of knowledge and does a really good job deploying his network to service clients in a powerful way. In this interview, we spoke a bit about the importance of branding in business. And the important thing to realize is you can build a brand without spending a lot of money. Paid digital certainly has its place, but you can achieve a great presence by simply investing your time. If you follow me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube, or you listen to my other podcast, Michael's Motivation, then you may be familiar with the daily videos I share. What I do is simple. I record a quick video, one to five minutes. I upload it to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Anchor. The whole process takes about 15 minutes, beginning to end, and I do it every day. The result? I'll be talking to people I didn't even realize followed me online, and they'll comment about how often they see me, or they'll mention a particular topic I discussed recently. If you don't like recording video, that's okay. You can just record audio as a podcast, or you can write. You can even curate content, which is a fancy way to say you find good content, share it, put a little commentary about it on the post, and provide your stamp on it. You could even share, say, my podcast, and people might appreciate that. The point is to put out content and put it out regularly. Then, once you're doing that, you have to make sure you're being strategic about creating a pipeline from your free content to your paid products that doesn't feel like a slick, slippery sales tube, but rather feels like a natural, organic progression to become more deeply involved in the great value you provide. If you'd like to learn more about this, drop me a line, michael at guyonosaguy.com, or visit my website, guyonosaguy.com, and schedule a call. I promise no slick, slippery sales tube here, just an honest discussion of what you need and my help in whatever way I can provide. There's something else you should use that email for. You should send me your questions. Season 2 of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast is coming October 6th, and it will be focused on your question and your problems. I love to provide answers and solutions, but I need questions and problems to do that. So email me at michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com and let me know what's keeping you up at night, and I'll try to share some solutions on the air. The Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast is produced and hosted by Michael Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music and sound effects are from Benjamin Harvey Design by way of freesound.org and bensound.com. Special thanks to Pat Helmers of Habanero Media for all the great advice he gave me on relaunching the show. Find me on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can also follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash theguywhoknowsaguy. And now on TikTok at theguywhoknowsaguy. Please share links to this show with friends you think would enjoy it. This is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy, reminding you that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and how much you're willing to help them. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. That's jv connectcom December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.